So anyway, I would like to talk to you tonight about my continuation about the seven I am's of Jesus that he spoke in the uh, chapter of John in the Bible. Kind of talked to you about already the fact that he says that he is the bread of life. Then he goes on and he says that he is um, the light of the world. And I'm going to talk to you two combined tonight. Um, one that he says he's the gate and the, um, the other that he says he's a shepherd. So both kind of combined because he actually uses them both in the same exact scripture verse and, and uh, talks about both. So I kind of want to continue. It says uh, continue on with the, uh, the scripture verse that I talked about last week where I told you that Jesus talked about him being the light of the world and he had gone on right after that and he healed the blind man who has been blind since birth. That in itself is powerful. I don't think we even realize how amazing that actually took place, what, what exactly what a miracle it was. Because if you've ever talked to somebody when they talk about blindness, if you've been blind since birth, if you've never even seen anything, if you have no knowledge of what light and, you know, the blindness of it, of seeing light after you've been blind your whole life, and the fact of, like, your balance, everything would be different. It's a complete miracle that he was able to give this guy sight, and this guy was walking around and doing the things that were normal, normal people were doing. And it was such a, a change that, of course, you know, it, it was seen by everybody. I mean, all these people were noticing this. And what's interesting about it is that, of course, he makes this, this uh, healing that takes place right after, right after the, the fact that, uh, you know, he had said that he's the light of the world. He goes and he gives this, this blind man's sight. And what ends up happening right after that is Jesus hears that this blind man who was given this uh, miracle, that he, he hears that this man was completely thrown out of the temple, that he's thrown out of the area because he had been forgiven and had this miracle performed. So what he does is he seeks him out. He goes and he asks this guy, and he goes up to him and he asks the question, do you believe in the Son of Man? It's the same question that Jesus is still asking all of us still today. That's a question that he still wants us each personally to answer. He wants to know what we personally feel. It's not something that our parents feel. It's not something that your grandparents feel. What do you think of the Son of Man? Who do you say he is? And what he does is he asks this question, do you believe in the Son of the Man? And the man actually says to him, point him out to me, sir, so that I can believe in him. And Jesus tells him, you're looking at him. Don't you recognize my voice? And the man then says to Jesus, Master, I do believe, and then begins to worship him. And I told you before, what ends up happening, a lot of times you'll see that people will call um, good men teachers, rabbi, all the different things they'll say. He called him good sir, sir, you know, that kind of thing. But then right after we get a glimpse of who Jesus is, when we get that real acknowledgement that he has sacrificed himself for us, that he is the living God, we recognize that we can call him master, we can call him savior, we can call him those things that are more meaningful. And Jesus actually then goes on to make the point, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see, and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. The Pharisees, because there's always Pharisees, they still exist, they're still here, they're still around today, they're just called different names. We just don't call them by Pharisees as much. But there's always those people who pretend like they believe but don't really believe. And they always kind of seem like they're standing by, listening, and kind of judging. The Pharisees were there doing the same exact thing. They overheard um, him saying all this and then asked Jesus, does that mean that you're calling us blind then? To which Jesus responded, if you were really blind, then you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you are going to be accountable for every fault and every failure. 
That should be very daunting for us to hear that because some of us think that we know truth and we really don't take it serious. We think we know. And Jesus says if you do claim to see, if you are claiming him, if you're claiming the fact that you believe in Jesus Christ but still continue to see and do all these things that are not good for you, live in a life of real purity, which God intends us to live, that he says you will be hold, held accountable for every fault and failure. You know, we, we talk all the time about this God who is amazingly forgiving, and he is. But we don't talk about the fact that this God is also um, is going to be a, a judge. He's going to judge us, and he's going to be there to, to we have to be accountable. Um, it's right after this, exactly right after this, that Jesus, who's still with these Pharisees and this blind man, then says the very next two I am statements. He says, I am the gate and I am the shepherd. In chapter 10 of John, he says, let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. He's a sheep rustler. The shepherd walks right up to the gate and the gatekeeper opens the gate to him and the sheep recognize his voice. That's very important for you to notice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. Jesus was telling this very simple story, trying to get them to understand, and they still weren't understanding. So what he says is, let me explain it to you again. Let me explain it to you in another way. Let me explain it to you a little bit deeper. It's what we do today. You know, someone, you're telling somebody something, they're like, ah. Uh, so you try to go about it a different way. That's what Jesus was trying to do. So he says, I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will go freely in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better than they ever dreamed of. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd put the sheep before himself and sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and he runs for it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't really matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my own sheep know me. In the same way that the Father knows me and I know the Father, I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. I need to gather and bring them too. They'll also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock and one shepherd. He's making a very big point to these people. He's trying to explain to them, them this whole entire point of the fact that there is not just for the Israelites. You know, I've told you that he constantly points out the old fact that there's a covenant between the the Israelites and that's who he's trying to reach but at this point he's trying to explain to them that it's not just for you this message is also going to be for the Gentiles it's going to be for those people who would have no opportunity to receive me but I'm going to allow them to be in the same pen it's it's going to be for them too and I'm going to be their shepherd so he was making that point and uh, you know most of us you know we, we watch that that cartoon you know, you're watching. I was thinking about the fact that, you know, here he is, the, the sheep dog. And, and, you know, here they actually call those um, dogs, if you call them, there's different dogs like that. They call them pasturing dogs is what they call them. And that's like collies and, and sheep dogs and stuff like that because they'll herd, they'll, you know, try to pull an animal in the right direction, and that's what their job is. And it's pastor to, like, guide, you know, to oversee. That's what a pastor's actual definition is, is a spiritual overseer. And if you look at, um, you know, a sheepdog, obviously they're there to just guide the animals and, and bring them in the right path. 
Sheepdog, though, when you look at it, I, mean, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, they show this sheepdog, this old cartoon where he, you know, clocks in, clocks out, you know. He's not there all the time. Even though he's doing a great job defending, we see that he leaves and someone else comes in. He is a hired man. And the one thing that Jesus makes point to us is that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always on duty. He's never off duty. He's always there. And no matter when we might think he's not there, he's always there. And he's paying attention when someone's trying to get his sheep. Now, the thing you have to understand is Jesus is always making the point. It's such a simple analogy that I'm the shepherd. I am the gate. And my people are my sheep. It was something that they could understand. You know, I think most of us, if we understand and and think about a gate, we can wrap our minds around that. We understand what a gate is. We see them all the time. You know, but this this, uh, analogy he's making is actually as a a sheep pen, a pen of an animal, something that's going to hold an animal back. And if you look at what sheep pens were like in ancient um, Israel and around that time, they weren't like they are really now. I mean, they weren't made with big, you know, boards and electric fences, you know, because now we have electric fences, you know, the animal just gets zapped once and they pretty much learn and never go back again, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, of course, there's no electricity in them days, come on. And so there's no electric fences and there's no big wooden, you know, fences. What they were was these people were, would travel in this area and so there were these small little pen areas that they would build out of rocks and brush and branches, and that's what they would do. They would build small little areas for the the sheep to go in so they could relax and rest and take it easy when it was time to let the sheep, you know, be able to kind of just pasture in the land. And, uh, you know, what they would do a lot of times is it would be the shepherds would kind of, you know, they'd meet up or, you know, different groups would come in, and so there'd be different actual flocks that would come in and use the same pen, it wouldn't just be one flock with sheep. It'd be like, you know, two, three shepherds would come. And, you know, they didn't have like we have now. I mean, you know, they probably have like, you know, thousands of sheep. You know, nowadays they'll have in a pen. But in those days, I mean, they weren't, you know, traveling with thousands of sheep. I mean, they just had a smaller group of, of uh, sheep. And they would all go in this little area together. And, you know, it would really provide more safety for the sheep. Because we all know that, you know, there's safety in numbers, right? Power in numbers and safety in numbers. The more people, the more sheep, the more fellow believers. When we do something, the more we get done. Power and safety in numbers. We know that there's usually that last person lagging behind. That's the one that's getting taken down. That's why I try to stop you all the time and say, hey, you're lagging. You're going to be taken down by the wolves. They're going to come get you. But these sheep would actually mingle together. They'd graze together. You know, they'd play together. Sheep would hop, jump, skip, you know, skipping around. You can just picture it in your mind. Can't you just picture these cute little woolly sheep hopping and jumping? You know, what would happen, though, is these shepherds would cry out when it was time for them to go, and the sheep would recognize their shepherd's voice. They'd know which shepherd was talking to them. They knew their voices. And the shepherds actually knew their sheep by name, too. You know, they knew this one was fluffy and fleecy and flouncy, you know. You know, when you're with something for a lot of time, you name it, right? I mean, that's what happens. You know, it don't matter if there's sheep and you're, you know, taking them from one place to the next place. You know, you name them something. You call them little names, you know, like fluffy or something. You know, I, I have pet names for you guys. The ones I hang out with all the time, I say names for you. And I call you names. I tell you, you know, funny little names I make up. You do that stuff, you know. 
I, I don't think I call any of you as flouncy or fluffy, but, you know, I should. <laughs> Who wants to be flouncy? <laughs> All right, Shelby, you're flouncy. How about um, fleecy? All right, I'll call you fleecy. <laughs> you know, we'll come up with some good names here. You know, but you do. When you spend some time with something, you know, every stray cat that comes in our yard, we normally name it after a while because, they you know, they show up, and you're like, okay. You know, I told you, we actually had an extra black cat show up, so we named him Extra. His name was Extra. It's like, oh, here we go, it's Extra, you know. Extra one. So, you know, <laughs> what would happen, though, is during the night, um, what the shepherd would actually do is there would be this small little pen that would be made with rocks and brush and branches. But there was no gate. So what they would actually do, a shepherd would do in those days, is they would be a human gate. The entrance they would lay right there. They'd block it with their bodies and that's where they would sleep. And so when Jesus says, I am the gate, he's saying nobody's coming in, nobody's going out. I'm there to protect. That's what a shepherd did. There was no electric fence. There was nothing to lock up. I mean, they were on their own. Sheep were going to get out. Unless you were there, they would get out. So they would lay there. It's almost like, you know, you ever been camping at night and you're kind of afraid, so, you know, somebody, like, stands guard, you know, watches. That's what the shepherd was doing. He's standing guard. And he was kind of like a living gate. You know, it's, it's what the shepherds did. That was their whole job. When Jesus says, I am the gate, he's saying, I am the living gate. I'm the one who's going to let, you know, the good things happen to you, and I'm going to keep the danger away. That's what it's all about. If you've gone to church in the past, if you've been in part of a church, I'm sure you've heard the term flock. There's a flock, you know. We call it, people in a church sometimes, the church family, they'll call themselves as a flock. Um, you know, it's okay. There's actually another term. What's really funny is, that, like, there's another term instead of flock for a bunch of sheep, and they call it a mob. I think that's really interesting. So, like, church, we can call ourselves, hey, hey, come on, come join the mob, you know. We're just like, you know, we're more like a mob than we are a flock, aren't we? You know, I think that's pretty interesting because, I mean, if you look at humans and see how they relate, most of the times I'd say that we probably, like, probably the word mob would be better than flock for us (laughs) most of the time. You know, and Jesus is making some very valid points when he used this analogy. Him saying he's a gate, him saying he's a shepherd. He was actually saying such things as, you know, he speaks to his sheep. He speaks to us who are believers. He speak to us, speaks to us on a daily basis. I mean, I hear Jesus speak to me. If you're a believer, you've heard him tell you to do things, not to do things. You feel that. Um, he calls us by name. It actually says in God's word that he loves us so much that he writes our names upon his palms. He knows us. He knows who we are. He leads them. He's the one who takes us and takes us where we need to be. And then he is our protector. He's going to protect us. When we have a situation, when we're fearful, when there's danger, anything like that, he is there to protect us. All we have to do, honestly, I, I truly believe in the name of Jesus, just calling upon the name of Jesus. It says at, the name, at his name that demons will flee. I think we have to be aware of the fact that there's such power. Jesus will protect us. Um, I think that Jesus spoke in these ways. I told you about some of these other things because we can, you, we can wrap our minds around them, even today. And in them days, it was, that was their life. That's how they lived. And, 
and existed was there were sheep and, and, you know, farming and pastures, and that's what it was all about. So it was something that they could grasp, they could wrap their minds around. He said that he was the gate, not a gate, and that's something you need to understand. That little tiny word saying the instead of a is a big, big difference. What he was saying was that he is the only entrance that people can be using to be saved, to be protected from danger. And uh, he was also, you know, calling the people that he came to really save, he was calling them his sheep. That's what it was all about. You know, I'm sure that you guys don't sit there and think about yourselves as being sheep. But tonight I want you to think about this because I'm going to have you stop and think about the fact of who you are. If you claim that you're a Christian, if you say that you're a believer, a follower of Christ, I want you to think about the fact that you are a sheep. Okay? You're a sheep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to tell you some interesting things about sheep because I found some really interesting things to think about. Now, think about it in terms of when you think about sheep, think about it in terms of Christianity and Christians, followers of Christ. One, they have pretty good hearing. They can hear the shepherd's call, but they are very sensitive to noise and voices when they're being handled and will take off running from the shepherd when they become afraid. Followers of Christ do the same thing, no different. Very sensitive. When they're being handled, they'll take off running from the shepherd when they're afraid. How many of us even say that we're believers when we get afraid, we run from, not to the shepherd? You do just what sheep do. Sheep have excellent peripheral vision. They can usually see behind themselves without turning their heads, which makes great sense when you think it in terms of human beings who have really great hindsight that's 2022, don't you think? We can see all this behind us afterwards. We're always like, oh, I should have went there. You know, sheep can see that. We all do it. As behind us, we, can, we all have great vision. But the thing that's interesting about sheep is they have very poor depth perception, which is the ability to judge the distance of objects from them. You know, they'd have a hard time for understanding how far Ronnie is from me right now. They wouldn't understand that. They don't judge that right, you know? And if you think in terms of Christianity... A lot of people don't really judge the danger of things and how far away it is. You know, we think that things are like way farther. Oh, there's no... It's like those mirrors when you're traveling down a road. You know those little side mirrors as the objects are much closer than they appear in the mirror? (laughs) You know, it's like, okay. You know, that kind of thing. You know, but things a lot of times in Christianity seem like they're way out there. Oh, that won't affect me. When, in truth, it's pretty close. Danger's coming, but we just don't recognize it. It says, in general, sheep are said to have a tendency to move out of the dark and go into well-lit areas. First message of the I am. That's what Jesus says. Or he says he come to bring light. True Christians are supposed to seek light. We're not supposed to feel comfortable in the dark. Sheep make sense. Sheep go out of the dark. They go into the light. That's what it's all about. That's what we're supposed to be doing as followers. Like I said, though, although they don't always recognize how far the darkness is from them, What's even more incredible about sheep is that they also have an amazing tolerance for pain. They can handle a lot of pain, sheep can. If you're a Christ follower, if you're his sheep, I'm going to tell you, you better get a thick skin like sheep because you are going to have to tolerate a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain involved in Christianity. It's not all smooth sailing. A lot of times, you know what, I think that we need his strength and he shows us that we need his strength. We have to develop this thick skin and this tolerance for pain. I know I've had to. (laughs) 
I know that I've had some major battles after I became a Christian that were very tough, and you have to get this tolerance for pain that you can handle it. If you've ever gone to a farm or a fair, it's kind of hard to distinguish the sheep from the goat sometimes, don't you think? You ever notice that? Sometimes you're like, "Eh, is that a sheep or is that a goat? I don't know, kind of thing. It's really because they're so closely related. Sheep and goats are really closely related. There's actually, the chromosomes are only like, I think it's like sheep have 54 chromosomes and like goats have 60. So they're really close. They're actually like in the same type of a, a family type thing, but they're different. They're different, completely different. And this brings up a great point that's actually discussed in Matthew 25, and it says that all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So obviously this whole entire point that he makes, it really is a theme that travels from the beginning of the Bible to the very end of what sheep are. Sheep are his true followers. Goats, fake, false followers. So Jesus is indicating that everyone will be subject to judgment someday when he returns for his followers. This is what's called the blessed hope. Have you ever heard the blessed hope being spoken? you ever heard that term? People don't talk about it today. It's one thing that our churches don't do. We don't talk about the blessed hope, which is the return of Jesus Christ. We all talk about his death. We talk about his resurrection. but We don't talk about the fact that he is coming back for those who are his sheep. He's going to come back, and he's going to get the people who are the true followers. He says we don't know the time or the place. We don't know when. It's he's, he says, actually, that he's going to come like a thief in the night because when, people will, if they had an idea, oh, he's coming next week, they're going to be like, oh, okay, I can act up tonight, but then next week, right beforehand, I can try to get my life straight. Jesus says, that's not how you live. That's not how it works. He says that you have to do things in the right way. You have to be a true follower. So um, he says that every person will stand before him, and if you've already accepted him as your shepherd, you know, if you already are truly one of his sheep, if you already recognize his voice when he speaks to you, then, you know, you're going to go through that gate. You already went through the gate, which is Jesus, but you're going to go through the gate, which leads you into the kingdom of God someday. That's where you're going to go. But if you only look like a sheep, but you're really a goat, you're not going in. His word says it's pretty crystal clear. He says he's going to separate them. He says the sheep are going to be on the right, the goats on the left. That's what he says. I think people don't talk about that. I think that we think we can fool them. We can't fool them, and I'm going to go on to tell you why. At first glance, you may not recognize a sheep from a goat, but there are some real telltale signs that we can pick up on if we pay attention. Now, like I said, I want you to think of Christians, followers of Christ, as in terms of sheep. Obviously, sheep have fleece, goats have hair, big difference. So they actually look a little bit different if you're paying attention. Same with Christianity. You know what, you can have somebody that sits there and claims it, but you know what, you look a little closer, you're going to start noticing that they look more like goats than they look like sheep. Your friends, your pals, you're going to start noticing there's a little difference if you're paying close enough attention. But when you're fooled, you may start picking up some goat behavior. They actually sound different. Sheeps say... Goats say, meh. That's the difference. Do goats again. Do the sheep again. (laughs) 
sometimes I think that maybe only a mama sheep or a mama goat would recognize and be able to pick it out, or the shepherd would be the only one that would be able to pick up the, the thing. You know, I'm not really, like, versed in, in knowledge of, like, goats and sheep, but, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to hear and be like, oh, that's a goat. I don't know if I'd be able to do that, but... People often say that goats are smart because they're very curious and inquisitive. And sheep are always thought to be dumb. Dumb. Because of the fact that they stay put. People say that, oh, you know, look at the goat. The goat's traveling. He's looking. He's smelling. He's doing all these things. And the sheep are just sitting there like, do-do-do. You know, that's it. But the goats are always jumping over the fences. They're finding these clever ways to open the gates, you know. They're trying to get out of the pen. And, you know, they're escape artists. That's what they are. That's what they're all about. But in Christianity, does that make them more wise? No. Maybe they're just more foolhardy. Maybe they're actually making poor choices. Goats do that. Our friends do that. We see them making a lot of poor choices sometimes, you know. They might be escape artists, but what are they really getting out of, you know? Goats are more independent than sheep. Sheep are usually very aloof. You can walk up to a sheep, and they're not going to really react or interact with you. Like I said, people often say that sheep are stupid because of their strong flocking mentality. How many of you guys have ever heard that Christians are weak? You know, they need their Christianity as a crutch, you know, they all get together, they flock together. Oh, you know, look at them, they're like sheep, they're so great. You know, look at them, they think they're so cool. They say that we're stupid. Is it stupid? Because the thing is, what's interesting about sheep, because of their flocking, they tend to protect each other. Actually, it's pretty wise when you think about it. A sheep's going to become very agitated if it's separated from the rest of the flock. Like I said, though, that is what's actually, is their protective defense. That's what they do. They surround each other. They, they take the weakest one. A lot of times and sheep will actually like put that baby or the one that's the weakest and they'll put it between, you know, in the middle and they're the ones who stand on the outside to protect. Sheep aren't so stupid. Sheep are pretty smart. It's what we should do for our fellow brother and sister if we know that they're stumbling, they're not doing so good. We try to protect them. You know, that's what it's all about. Sheep are considered stupid animals because they are skittish and they're frightened away easily. Like I said, also because they follow anything most of the time. Sometimes they don't even think about the dangers that are ahead of them. They'll follow. They'll just do stuff. Christians do the same thing. Sometimes we follow right into the the stupid danger, something that's coming up, and we don't recognize it because we're following the next person. God tells us to be careful. Be wary. Be wary of things. Sheep, this is just my noticing thing this has nothing to do with the message just something i noticed it's something that said and i'm like oh okay that makes sense sheep are also much more likely to overeat than goats (laughs) sad but true (laughs) sad but true goats eat like stuff like cans you know i don't get it they say actually sheep are and goats are different because they said what what a sheep will do is a sheep will graze A lot of times they eat weeds and stuff. They keep their heads down, but goats lift their heads up, and they're always, like, pulling stuff down to eat is what they tend to do. So they actually have eating patterns that are different. Their tails are different, too, which really makes sense. The sheep, actually, their tails go down. Goats go up. That makes no sense, and it has nothing to do with the message. I just want to tell you that. So you always recognize a sheep and a goat. 
But um, it's interesting because sheep are paranoid and loyal. Loyalty is a good thing. Goats are open and curious. How many of you guys have ever been to a petting zoo and you see a goat? The goat comes up to you immediately, don't they? They come up to you. They're chewing on your purse, your clothes. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they'll come up. A stranger will come up and they'll have food and they're eating out of their hand. They don't care. They don't even know what it is. Sheep won't do that. Sheep are cautious. They're going to be cautious of who feeds them. And you know what? Goats, they usually go in like, you know, they'll take anything. Like I say, it doesn't matter. They're, they'll eat anything. You know, they trust anybody. You know, Christians need to be smart and weary sometimes. Very interesting that Jesus says that he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And that in itself has some very interesting information for us. You know, that um, we see that Jesus is going to judge himself, that there's going to be two categories, like I said. There's going to be two categories of if you're a true follower, true true believer, true sheep, or if you just kind of look like a sheep, kind of sound a little bit like a sheep, you know, maybe you're one of those sheep, instead of saying, bah, you go, meh, bah, kind of sounds bah, <laughs> it's a goat. You know, you're just a little confused. You know, he says he's going to notice. He's going to notice. He's going to be the one that's going to be recognized the fact of who is real, who's not. Like I said, we're not, we, we shouldn't be so concerned that we think that we can, you know, outwit him. You know, because he's not going to be outwitted. He's going to recognize he is the true shepherd. Like I said earlier, he recognizes the true people who are his followers, his sheep. He recognizes their voice. He's not going to be fooled by someone who's pretending. You know, it's not going to be like there's, you know, you see these, these cartoons where there's people doing all these little wise things, these tricks, you know, to be able to outwit and grab hold of the sheep. Jesus says he's going to be there to protect at all times. You know, I thought it's, it's interesting to me that because that one part of the um, cartoon that it started with, it says that, you know, there's this mythological, you know, pan who would, you know, play the, the tune and it would, you know, he'd be able to steal the sheep as he, like, made the shepherds fall asleep. And you know, Jesus is never going to fall asleep. He's never going to fall asleep. You're never going to have that happen. If, if you're a true follower, you're never going to be stolen from him. He says he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He says we can never be stolen out of his hands once we really are true believers. But the problem is so many people are walking around thinking that they're a true believer, thinking that they're sheep and they're goats because their lives resemble more of a goat than they do a sheep. I want you to really think about yourself tonight. What are you? Are you a sheep? Are you a goat? Who are you? Don't think that you can keep saying that you're a sheep if you're really a goat. It sounds so crazy. People are going to listen to this podcast and think, what is she talking about? But it's the truth. It's the truth. It's so basic and such a simple statement, but that's what his whole point is. It's simplicity. The message of Christ is simplicity. He says as much as children can get it, they can understand it. He also says, besides the fact that he's going to judge by himself, he's going to be the judge, not anybody else. Jesus himself is going to be the one who comes and judges. But it also says that he's going to be able to find out exactly what category we fall into. You know, well, it may be easy for some people who are not really familiar with livestock. You know, are these people that are, you ever see the city folk that come to the zoo? They're really, they're like, they're like, well, what is that? It's like a rabbit. 
not hard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I'm always kind of amazed because they're like, oh, look it. And it's like they're right next to the back end of the cow. And I'm like thinking, I don't know if that's so good, you know, right there. Get kicked in the head or something. But, you know, you watch the city folk at the zoo or the fair. They're pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty impressed. They're probably not going to recognize a sheep from a goat. I don't know if they recognize a lot of things. <laughs> Truthfully, I don't know. But um, a shepherd's going to know. A shepherd's going to be able to tell the difference. And they're always going to get it right. They're never going to be confused. John ten fourteen, like I said, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. There's a sense of security that comes with having Jesus as our shepherd. To know that we are never going to be left behind. A really amazing thing about sheep is they will not drink from water if it's fast moving. They don't like it. It scares them off. They don't like it. If you ever listen to Psalm 23, what it says, he says, he's my shepherd, and he says, he makes me lay down in green pastures, and he says, he leads me beside still waters. That's what he does. So the whole entire thing, that even that, in Psalm 23, is the whole message of the fact that we are sheep, his sheep, his followers. He's going to take us to this great area, this pasture, that's filled with great green grass that we're going to be able to graze on and we're going to enjoy. And still water that we're not going to be frightened of, that he's just going to be able to let us drink from and live a good life. Not necessarily perfect, not necessarily pain-free, but a good life. A good shepherd's going to care enough to sacrifice of himself to take care of the sheep. His whole message that he says there, he says, if needed, they lay down their life. That's what Jesus did. The whole message of salvation is the sacrifice. He is the shepherd. I'd love to talk to you and tell you more about the fact that he becomes the lamb, the sacrificial lamb also. That's his whole point. If you read in the Old Testament, you realize that there was, during the plagues, the very last plague that happened was they killed the firstborn male of everything. So that we could, they would let, Pharaoh would let the people go, the people who were slaves and, and trying to be released. And that, that was the whole last plan was he says, I'm going to kill off everything that's firstborn. I mean, even to the point that it was animals and things like that. So Pharaoh's son obviously was one of them that was going to be sacrificed, it was going to die. But what God said was he said to make sure that this doesn't happen to you, which were his true followers, his, his believers, the people who really believed in God. He said, go and sacrifice a lamb and take its blood and take a hyssop branch and take it and dip it in the blood and put it over top of your door jams. Go over top of your doors. Because when the uh, power of God comes through, the places that he's going to just you know, ignore and not go into are the places that are going to have the sacrificial blood on them. I won't go there. I'm not going to let their sons die. I'm not going to do this. So that was the whole point, was there was going to be this, this, this blood that would cover the fact that there would be a place that they would pass over that house, that they wouldn't go to that house. They wouldn't let this ta- take place. That same thing is what Jesus did later on. Out of his blood... He was willing to die for, and because of his blood, we get passed over in death. We don't have to just die and go to death and hell. We are allowed to have an amazing future of 
the kingdom of God. We're going to be spared that. And that's the whole message of, of the, you know, like I said, the last two messages we talked about, we brought back into the Old Testament and what it was all about that he was trying to say. And this is another reason why he used this idea and this analogy of sheep was the fact that they understood what sacrifice was. They understood that sheep were there to sacrifice. It's amazing because he turned around and he said, I'm the shepherd. You know, something that was used all the time as a sacrificial animal, he decided later on to make a point that I'm also the shepherd. You know, I'm the shepherd, and then later he's the sheep. You know, there's so much to it. it. We just aren't aware sometimes. We just go on about our lives, and we don't understand what Jesus is really trying to say. But he did sacrifice himself. He sacrificed himself to take care of us, to give us that chance to have um, a beautiful place in the kingdom of God. He died on the cross for each one of us, that he actually shepherds, the true followers. And he, just like a good shepherd, you know, like I said, he speaks to his sheep. He speaks to them. He calls them by name. He leads them. He protects them. That's his whole plan. That's what it's all about. Being a follower of Christ, if you don't understand that there's so much more to it, I, 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 it's sad to think that people think that they're followers, but they don't understand what comes with that because there's so much more power and so much more great things that come with being a, a sheep. <laughs> there's so much more to it. I mean, the idea that he's there to provide for us, like I said, he brings us into places, he provides great places for us to, to live and to eat and, and to drink, and we're never without if we're really following him. He says, you'll never. He says, I've never, there's parts of the Bible that says, I've never seen the godly people have to beg for bread. Never. Because there's people that God will take care of them. If we're seeking God, he takes care of other things. So he's going to be there for us. And like I said, he also, he leads, he leads us. There's nothing where we have to be fearful. We don't have to wonder if we should go there or that, do this. We all want to know what the will of God is. But, you know, God is never going to lead us, lead us astray. He's only going to take us around the right path. So we never have to be wondering, you know, if see, seek after God. Should I go here? Should I do this or whatever? He's never going to give you bad advice. He's only going to give you good advice. He isn't going to take you down a wrong road. He's going to take you to the right place. You know, he protects. My goodness. I'm going to tell you, there's, I have a God that's protected me many times. I don't know what it was last Thursday. I have no idea if there was something that was going to take place, but I, I, a lot of times, I mean, I, I think that if God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, we need to be aware of it. We need to be paying attention. But I was leaving on a Thursday night, and the Steadfast was going to meet up here. Decided to sit there and, um, you know, go down. I went down towards, you know, uh, by Mickey's, I was going to get some food before I left. And uh, when I was down there, it's so simple to just go home on 39, you know, head up the road. And I just felt like for some reason, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I should go that way. Like, I just felt like there was something inside of me like I shouldn't go. I shouldn't go that way or something. And I thought, well, it's just something that's crazy, you know. But as I started going on the road, there was this ambulance coming up with all these flashing lights. And I thought, you know, I think this is God telling me not to go that way. <laughs> I really do. I think that would be that. So I didn't. You know, I don't know if there was anything that was going to take place. I know Cameron called me right after that, and I'm always one of those people, as soon as the phone rings, I have to get it. It's just, you know, when my kids call. Anybody else, I don't get you. <laughs> kids call, I'm like, yeah, what do you need? You know, because I'm always thinking something happened. Um, but, you know, I, Cameron called, and I, of course, you know, trying to talk on the phone. So I don't know if there's something that God will try to tell you not to do certain things and, 
and try to like spare you hurt and pain and, and things like that. But he wants to protect people. He wants to protect those that are his sheep. So I, I, I want you, you know I told you before, I said how I want you to never look at bread the same. When you make toast, I want you to think about bread as Jesus is the bread of life. I want you to look at light and darkness in the same way. I want you to look at every time you see light, you see the power that it has when it shines and lights up the darkness and, and takes away fear and uh, illuminates things. I want you to look at that and always think about it in the fact of Jesus and what he did for you. I want you, when you go to the fair, <laughs> the zoo, to never look at a sheep the way, same way again, <laughs> ever. <laughs> I want you to see a sheep and a goat, and I want you to make that point in your mind every time, God, let me be a sheep. Let me be a sheep. So simple. He says it's not hard. He doesn't make it difficult for us to become sheep. All we have to do is ask him for forgiveness and start to really truly follow him, confess the things that we've done. So he doesn't make it difficult. But you have to understand when he says that he's a shepherd, he had power, but he also said, like I said, he is the gate. There's people telling you all the time, filling your heads with nonsense, that there's all these different paths that lead to heaven. You know, you can go here. You can be a good person. If you just do this, do that, you know, all these different things. And Jesus says, no, no, I am the gate. Not a gate, the gate. You have to be aware of that. Being a good enough person is never going to make it. I told you for years, there's this, this saying that I heard that even um, if you take even like, I think it's like 54% or something like that, um, which would be, you know, outweighing. If you took a something on a scale, you know, 50%, you know, anything over 50%, which one's going to weigh more if it's on a scale? The 54, 54% won't even get you to graduate from junior high. You can't graduate from that. So what makes you think 54% will ever make you, or 51% is ever going to make you get into heaven? You can't even graduate gra- junior high at 50, that 54% or 51%. So you need to understand it's not good enough. You're never going to be good enough to reach heaven. It's why Jesus has to sacrifice and he has to go in your place. And you have to ask for forgiveness and let him be your Lord, your master, your shepherd. That's what the whole entire point is about it. You can't be good enough. And it might sound so politically incorrect, and I don't care, but you know what? Buddha's not going to get you there. Hinduism's not going to get you there. No New Age stuff is going to get you there. And everything that Oprah's teaching from Eckhart Tolle will not get you to heaven. Will not get you to heaven. Matter of fact, she's deceived herself, and I am praying for her like you would not believe. Did you watch a couple weeks ago, there was that um, two girls that were switched. They died. There was a whole bunch of girls that got killed. And she had an episode where there was two families, and they thought the one girl had died, and they found out like five weeks later that it was the actual other girl and her family was taking care of her. These families were both Christians, and these, these families <laughs> are amazing. I mean, there were lawyers trying to get them to sue, all these different things, and they're like, no, what good is it going to do? But you know what? You could just sense in the fact that they were true sheep. They were definite real followers of Christ. And as I was watching them talk to Oprah, I was thinking, I pray that there's something there, something inside her that really just gets it something that clicks because she believes that you can do all this and then add this jesus can't be in addition to all these other things he has to be the thing that's it and she's deceiving herself to think that you can do all this if you've read that book i'm going to tell you i read that book it's nonsense i didn't read the whole thing i sat there about a half hour in target 
reading through all the different stuff. And I'm like, this is nonsense because they use just enough Buddha, just enough New Age, just enough Gandhi, just enough all these things to make it look like, oh, okay, we're getting rid of our ego. You know, all of it's based in truth, but it's not truth. It's just deception. And it's so sad because there's so many people. That, I mean, they're going to these, people are going in droves online every Monday night to listen to Oprah talk about this book. And it's, it's a shame because the end times, what God's word talks about is that the end times, people are going to believe in one religion. They're going to think this one world order, this way of thinking. And you know what? Sometimes I'm thinking, what is her book? I mean, it's all about that. It's scary. It's scary. But you know what? You can have the right path. Jesus is it. He's the true shepherd. You follow him, you're never going to be led astray. Other goats are going to be going this way, that way, heading off, going on the roads, dark paths, off cliffs. <laughs> you, as sheep, will not. You're going to be in the right path. I want to pray for you. And uh, seriously, if you're a goat tonight, you can completely evolve into a sheep. <laughs> and I don't even believe in it. <laughs> you can completely change, become something completely different tonight, and become a sheep if it's your choice, if you want it. All you have to do is ask for it. All you have to ask is Jesus to help you with that. If you need me to pray with you, I'm more than willing to pray with you, and I pray that you would make that choice. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I just thank you, Father, for just the power in your, your holy Bible, Lord. I just thank you, Father, that it is the light and it is the path that we're supposed to follow. And there's so much there that we can recognize as truth. And I just thank you so much that you have allowed us, Lord, to be in this country. We have this book at our fingertips that we can go to it, that we can seek it out for um, all the different things that we need to know about this walk on earth. And I just pray, Jesus, that you would help each person that's here tonight Help them to grow closer to you. I just pray that, Jesus, you would really speak to them. If they are right now resembling a goat, being a goat, I just pray, Father, that you would really start to show them, Lord, what a true sheep looks like and that they can be that. I just pray, Father, that you would make that change in their heart. Help them, Lord, to uh, seek the things that sheep would want. No longer be satisfied with the things that goat would be interested in. I just pray, Jesus, that you would do a miracle tonight, Lord God, in their hearts. Help them to grow closer to you. Help them to truly recognize what they are when they look at themselves in the mirror. I just pray that if they are goats, if they believe here and they look at the mirror, I just pray that you would start to really, with your Holy Spirit, make it so real to them. Every time they look at themselves in the mirror, they see that they are a goat. I just pray that you can change them, Lord. And I just pray that they would seek after it and they would want that for themselves. I just thank you, Father, for what you're doing here tonight, what you've done, and I just pray that you just continue just to bless our fellowship, our time together. I just pray that you would just bless uh, Friday, Lord, for the things that we're going to do also in Tripod. I just thank you for everything, Lord, that you're doing. Praise you for that, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.